all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hi. I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Threw me off a little bit there. <laughs> but not quite so much. Okay. Anyway. Are you, do you want to say your line? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> kind of forced. Yeah, it's kind of ruined at this point. But welcome, everybody. Welcome. There you go. Um, follow us on Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Follow our. Uh, Facebook, join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Very good. Do all of those things. Yes. And sure, feel free to message us with criticism. (laughs) We'll have a discussion. (laughs) Have a little back and forth. Yeah. What you drinking? I am having the finest national local beer Mm -hmm. on the market. Indeed. What are you having? I'm having a White Claw Mango. You want to try it? Sure. It's not bad. Why not? It's very bougie, but... <laughs> oh, it's very sweet. It is sweet. Yeah. It is a little sweet. But the mango flavor is good. Mm-hmm. Mango flavor is really good, yeah. Um, Let's see. I'm pretty sure the last time we recorded, we were talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs, which are we were. Like long done. <laughs> long done, meaning like 10 days, yeah. But yeah, it's it, But uh, football season is starting. Oh, dear. Training camp starts in two weeks, and it's mm. just like all of a sudden it's like, okay. Because I'm used to hockey season ending like the first, uh, or not the first week of June, like mid June, right? Somewhere in there. That's true. It went late this year. Well, yeah, I got started late. And... Yeah. Did they go later than normal in the regular season? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, because the regular season's usually done like the second week in April. Mm-hmm. This year it was the second week in May. So, oh, wow. So everything was pushed back about a month. Well, there's all the COVID like delays. There was that and too. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. One team literally had to play. One team being Vancouver. Because at one point they had, they almost had to forfeit games because they had at one point ten or eleven guys on the COVID list. Oh man, that's like half the team. And they <laughs> they they didn't play for almost three weeks, and wow. then they had to finish their season. They had to play something like twenty one games oh, in like thirty days, something something man. like that. And I'm like, man. that's I'm like that's way too much. But they did, you know. So at a disadvantage, kind of, huh? But the, to their own detriment, though, like everybody. Yeah. You know, they they knew, you know, that COVID's still out there and yeah. if you want to go out and mm-hmm. dick around, that's not that not to say that anybody was doing that. Sure. It was easy to catch it just mm-hmm. following the rules too. Mm-hmm. Well so. and unfortunately, certainly in our state and in others, we are on the way up again in COVID cases. So if you hadn't gotten your jabs, please do. We're asking you nicely. And they're free. Yes, they are. Well, it, okay, so to be clear, in the United States. In the United States, true. Yeah, we have international listeners, some of whom have had, to, who were very eager, but have had to wait a very long time. Yeah, and we so. have, and half of our country doesn't even want it. So, yeah, I know. So, it's very, it's very so annoying, I'm, I'm sure. I'm basically at the point where, like, if I were Joe Biden, I'd be like, you've got a week. Here you go. You got one week. Yeah. 
this is it. Like, there's plenty of clinics. And if, We're and if, sending them overseas otherwise. And yeah. if the response is great, like, okay, you get another week. Cause All right. Know, yeah, like, but if the response is like, eh, like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to India. Yeah. Like, they really, yeah, they really they need do. it. They do. They need it more than... It's going to a brown country. Oh, well. <laughs> right? That's that's the thing about... Uh, we're, America's not the best at being grateful for something. Because we have Well, the government, no. I mean, the... the the public at large, like, we are, like, one of the most, I think, the heaviest contributors to, like, charity and stuff like that. But well, that's a but what different I, story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just, it's, it's problematic. That so, so, I get you have questions. I get, it's, like, every, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and for some people, it's maybe not it's not for them. Free. It, that's true. It is not risk-free. But COVID is risky. Yeah. So, we are literally weighing degrees of risk mm-hmm. like we talk about that a lot in yeah, that's, different that's part of like one of the running themes yeah. of our entire mm-hmm. show is there's there are degrees of risk mm-hmm. if you make a stadium out of mostly concrete uh, yeah the chances of it catching on fire have greatly diminished but that does that mean that it was built perfectly and a section won't collapse or that a maybe fire could never happen right yeah. yeah but you're just minimizing mitigating yes Mitigating risk. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. And uh, it's a good time to be thinking more about other people than yourself. Yes. So. Not that we're going to do that anytime soon. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <clears throat> so. Other, other people. Yeah. <laughs> do they exist? We have. So we've gotten uh, a, another like glut of listener scripts, which is awesome. Keep them coming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because um, you have some big news. Yeah, to announce. yeah. So, taxis and Rachel may not taxis really, and Raquel taxis and Raquel may not really be a thing anymore. Um, I have accepted. She may never come back. <laughs> I have accepted a traditional job um, with a pension and a salary a what? What's and a benefits <laughs> in. Um, in a, a field of accounting that is not taxes, and it's very exciting, and it's moving my career in a a high opportunity direction, and um, I'm very excited about it. I will be keeping a small tax practice. Um, I'm certainly hoping hoping none of my listeners or none of my clients listen to this right. <laughs> because most of them are getting the axe but <laughs> pretty sure none of them know i do this uh, only my uh friends who are clients know mm-hmm. hey aubrey <laughs> oh yes hello aubrey congratulations to you and jeff on yes. five years yes uh, how it's been five years i don't know it was super fun to hang out with it them. was yeah um and i am very proud of you by the way oh thank you thank you so so yeah um for, for getting a real job <laughs> After four years of uh, self-employment and killing myself during tax season, this will be a change of pace. But what it will be is that it's going to be, I'm going to have to kind of figure out what a traditional all the time nine to five feels like again. Mm -hmm. My guess is I'm going to be pretty wiped out, especially because there's going to be a big learning curve in this job. It's learning a lot of new things, which is exciting, but it's also going to be really tiring. And I'm still going to be doing grad school. So research is going to be tough for a little bit, I'm guessing. So these listener scripts are going to come so in handy so that I can just kind of maybe work on some scripts and insert them as I'm able, you know, instead Mm -hmm. of feeling like I have a deadline looming. So 
And uh, our friend and listener who submitted this script sure helped a lot because this is a guaranteed two-parter. Oh, okay. This is a 24-page script. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's. I'm pretty sure this might be a record. <laughs> Not just of a, li- of a listener script, I think maybe even of my script. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't think either of us have done a twenty-four pager. I don't That's... think so. We've done multi-partners, maybe. Collect no. Was the was no. the font like? You know, were the characters like thirty? Like I'm hoping. No, oh, no, that's regular. They're like yeah, that's regular. Tw- size twelve uh, <laughs> Times New Roman. Yeah, regular margins, but yes. still. Um, that's a lot of writing. I know. For one topic. <laughs> so this script is from our friend Al. Okay. And we got the opportunity to meet Al. Yes. Virtually. Yes, we did. Um, with our uh, 200th live Zoom. We'll do a live. We'll do a live. And it was really nice to get to to meet Al, um, who who uh, is using he he him pronouns. Uh it was it, he was so nice he was so nice mm-hmm. <laughs> very nice he was so nice he almost made me cry <laughs> <laughs> he was so complimentary um but what i love about this script so all of our listeners submit scripts because something is very interesting to them right mm-hmm. they're like i'm interested in this i want to hear it so here i'll do the research which is awesome this particular disaster I, I love, and I haven't fully pre-read it at all, but from what I can tell, this is basically a first-person narrative. This is a disaster really? that Al lived through. Oh, shit. Yeah. We've never had one of those. I don't think so. Not a first-person narrative, right? Like, I'm sorry, Al, that you had to go through this. I know, yeah. Uh-huh. But, <laughs> you know, all things being considered... It makes for a good makes script, for a great topic, right? Yeah. Whatever it's going to be, I, mm-hmm. I don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. We're about to find out. Um, further, Al did this uh, while also he is also in grad school. Oh, okay. So uh, that's that's a lot of work to have hey, done. You're, you're both you're both in grad school. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. But that's a lot of work for him to have done. Um, oh, and. July 19th, which is the day that this episode comes out, we're mm-hmm. recording this on the 18th, is Al's birthday. Oh, happy so birthday. So happy birthday, yes. Al. Very cool that we get to sort of time it out that way. And next week, too, because there's no way we're getting through all 24 pages. I think I found a good stopping point roughly halfway through, so that should be good. But, all right. And I've also, so, we have a lot of really well-written scripts that we get. Mm-hmm. I love I love how this one is laid out. Uh, it says, All Bad Things podcast script. Written by, and I'm just going to say Al because I'm not positive if he wants us to use his, his last name or not. Sure. So, this is the story. This is Al's story. Mm-hmm. Of the May 20th, 2013, Moore, Oklahoma, EF5 tornado. No, sh- well, I, well, right away we have something in common. What? I, I went through a tornado as well. Yes, you did. Uh-huh. I don't know what the um, intensity of that particular tornado was. I, it was, I think it was an F3. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't devastating, devastating, right. but it wasn't good it wasn't either. Good, no. But mm-hmm. um, I think I I think I've heard about this. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. is a big one. Yeah. We've had so- Oh, in fact, damn it. I forgot to look and see 
uh, people have suggested this. I'll have to shout them out next week. Everyone who's suggested because I want to say that this was the same storm system that went through like Missouri and like it like fucked up a lot of places. It was a big system yes. versus well, mm-hmm. we will find out. So casualties: twenty four killed directly. Oh, Jesus. Two more indirectly. Mm-hmm. Two hundred twelve injured. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Major trigger warning. This There is unfortunately several deaths of children in this and also mm. a lot of deaths of horses. Also, yeah. uh, I love this. I mean, it's Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Farm country, right? Yeah. I love this. And I just love this. Also, please note, although I, Al, and again, I'm sorry, Al, I'll, I'll ask you if you want your last name to be used or not. Have written this script and also have written my first-hand memories in first person. The script is being read slash performed by All Bad Thing hosts Rachel and David. I love that because it's like, okay, <laughs> look, look. I'm reading this script, but all the shit they say on the side, that's not me. <laughs> I don't think he means that way, that way, but it's just cute. It's a clever like disclaimer. That. I like it. It is. Yeah. Like, I'm not responsible yes. for every word said. Very I'm not smart. responsible for their conduct, only for what I have written. That is a very smart <laughs> disclaimer. Uh, so, primary sources. The book The Mercy of the Sky by Holly Bailey. The web series Tornado Chasers by... I, I've seen a couple of those. Dr. Reed Timmer. It's fucking hard to watch, though, because... I mean, they're filming stuff from... I mean, close enough. But all you can do is... You can't see anything because it's pouring down rain and hail most mm. of the time, and all you can hear is just this loud Whoosh. noise. Like a train, like a freight train, probably, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, season 2, episode 7 and 8. The Wikipedia articles on more in the May 3rd, 1999 F5 tornado and the May 20th, 2013 EF5 tornado. Weather Channel broadcasts, especially ones featuring storm analysis by Dr. Greg Forbes. Uh, I think that's what it's saying. I don't think it's saying... Dr. Greg, and then the next line is Forbes, because <laughs> I'm thinking, like, magazine. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, my next, <laughs> his next reference is from Forbes magazine. That's what it, I, Which, I hey, might be, it, maybe right? Forbes did the total for the damage, you never know, because there's. Yeah, that's true. Definitely going to be some damage. yeah, impact. KFOR-TV broadcast featuring meteorologist Mike Morgan, Mike Morgan and Emily Sutton, and KFOR helicopter pilot John Welsh. Ooh, helicopter pilot in a I'm tornado. sure he was on the ground during this. I fucking Ugh. hope so. Uh, Jesus. Co- Coco-TV, I guess, K-O-C-O, broadcast featuring head meteorologist Damon Lane. KWTVDT broadcast featuring head meteorologist Gary England, meteorologist David Payne, KWTVDT helicopter pilot, again, Jim Gardner, and KWTVDT staffed storm chasers Val and Amy Castor. Episode 88 of the Disaster Area podcast by Jennifer Matteris. Shout out to to our our pod pod cousin with a, a fellow disaster pod. Yes. Um, and personal experience i was there <laughs> that's al's last uh, source there that's that's a that's a very good reference yes i think yourself so. i think so like what i remember more oklahoma was first denoted as a place in 1889 because of a railroad railroad work why is that so hard to say railroad worker i'm gonna yes. leave it up there <laughs> i'm not gonna try named Al Moore, who had taken up residence there during the 1889 land rush and painted Mm -hmm. a board with his surname on the side of his railroad car. That's all it takes. Just fucking throw it out there. (laughs) Which he lived in. In 1893, the post office kept the name when it opened an office there, and the name Moore stuck. It's not a bad name. No. 
1893, the first recorded significant tornado struck Moore just a couple of weeks after it officially became a town. A wedge tornado over a mile wide that totally leveled the place. Jeez. So, like, four years after it's sort of founded, it gets... It's Oklahoma. I would not want to live in Tornado Alley. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just no fucking way. There's Seeing no way. Seeing what we've seen and what we're about to see, it's Just going terrifying. through it one time was terrifying enough. Yeah. I couldn't imagine... And it's not a constant threat here. It would be a constant yeah. threat there. Like, yeah. if it's every year or if it's, like, every other year. Like, yeah. fuck that. Even if it's every five years, it's too Right? Uh, that's, <laughs> that's too much. It really is. It's kind of like living in South Florida, where it's like, when's the next big one? Yeah. But you get warning with hurricanes. That is true. You do. Although... You get better warnings now. You get... Yes. If we're talking about, like, the 1950s and this thing rolled oh, through, well, the death toll would be... Everything would be three times yeah. as high. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, okay, in literature, this would be known as foreshadowing or a harbinger of things to come. In 1961, Moore annexed a parcel of 21.6 square miles, or 56 square kilometers... Bigger than uh, Monaco. Yes. <laughs> like by 10 times. By a lot. By a lot. <laughs> or 20 times. Yes, yes. you're right. And we the, know The that royalty now. needs to go to more Oklahoma and check things out. <laughs> there you go. You, you won't be able to gamble, unfortunately, but you can do everything else. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the citizens of Monaco can't gamble either. That is, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Monaco should just take over more Oklahoma. <laughs> a move that basically prevented it from being absorbed by the Oklahoma City metro area. In the early 1960s, Oklahoma City expanded its size from 25 square miles, or 65 kilometers, square kilometers, to 643 square miles, or 1,670 square kilometers, through a series of annexations. When you drive west into Oklahoma City on I-40, Interstate 40, so if we ever do our I-40 trip, we'll go through Oklahoma City. We will definitely stop there. Mm -hmm. Right after one passes by the sign marking the city limits, a second sign says that it is 21 miles, or 33.79 kilometers, to downtown. <laughs> so you That's enter a sizable city limits city. it's like 21 yeah, miles. still got 20 miles to go to downtown. Yeah. Like the center of the, the hub. Uh-huh. Uh, I also have more than once received lines from my GPS, such as, stay on this street for 6.7 miles in Oklahoma City and nowhere else on a street. So not like a, a highway street. or something. <laughs> I love this. Cue, Ra- Dave- Cue Rachel and David banter about that gobbling up of land by the OKC metro area. I love the cues. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, it just happens, obviously right? people were sitting on it and not doing anything with it. And the city government was like, well, we'll just buy it from you. Well, not necessarily that they weren't doing. Maybe they were doing things. I mean, people get pushed out through that eminent domain sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that is so. true. We, we know that for sure. Yeah. But uh, also, I'm, I'm guessing a sizable chunk of it just wasn't being used, and the city had this grand plan. If and... it had a lot of, like, far, um, I mean, that's just dry land around. That's what happened around here. I mean, mm-hmm. most of, like, the outside of Raleigh was just forest. forest. Yeah. So they were like, why don't we just tear it down and build houses? Yeah. And keep doing that <laughs> forever. Yeah, and they're wanting, <laughs> apparently they're wanting to more and more encroach on um, Umstead Park. Yeah, I'm which not, is like the one not fully with, green not space. Not cool with that. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll see. Granted, it does make it hard to get a couple places mm. or more roundabout, but I wouldn't want to see. I that would go. having been to Umstead Park a couple of times. I'd want to leave it as. It oh is. yes, absolutely. It's a great preserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
This, this series of annexations by the Oklahoma City metro area ended up meaning that the metro area formed three of the borders with more, the west, north, and east. The okay. southern, uh, yeah, it's kind of surrounded. The southern border of Moore was formed by the city limits of Norman, Oklahoma. I have heard I, of that's uh, where University of Oklahoma. Oh, is. okay. When you look at them on a map, the dot for Moore looks like a distance away from the dot for Norman. But when one drives south out of Oklahoma City on Interstate 35, it feels like Oklahoma City, Moore, and Norman really blend into each other like a city and two suburbs, which have grown together to the point where it's difficult to tell where one ends and the other begins. That makes sense, like an urban sprawl Mm -hmm. sort of thing. The population of Moore stayed low through the early 1960s, but between the 1960 and 1970 census, the population of Moore grew from 1,221 people to 18,761 people. And by the 2010 U.S. census, Moore had a population of 55,081 people. That's quite a growth rate over a short period of time. Well, we are... More Rachel and David banter about that rate of population growth. <laughs> well said. Yeah, that's the especially that one decade. I wonder what in the '60s made people move to more Oklahoma. I, May, don't know. I mean, I did the Midwest fill in more during that period, like the post-war Pro- uh, you know era. Probably because air conditioning became more and more, and that's really. I mean, like I watched a whole History Channel thing on this. Mm-hmm. Like the reason that they're was westward in expansion to begin with was just to see what's out there. Right. Exploration. And the reason over the last, like, pretty much 70 years, 70 uh-huh. to 100 years, the reason why it's remained steady is literally because of air conditioning. Because it's bearable to live yes. in the climate. Well... How fucking hot yes. was it in... Uh-huh. Like, I can't imagine. I mean, I think if we're talking about, like, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, um, uh, Arizona, Nevada, sure... Uh, now Pacific Northwest, not so much. Not so much. In fact, that's been a real detriment this mm-hmm. summer. Is how many people have oh, suffered and even died because of the they don't have air historic heat waves. Yeah, yeah and just not as many people have air conditioning, which is so weird to think of having grown up in the southeast. I know. I've always had air conditioning. I, I didn't always have it. always. I didn't have it growing up. Yeah, because where you lived, we didn't yeah. need it. Mm-hmm. Like we just had fans yeah. because it was only warm, like three months out of the year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh-huh. But also in 1961, why it sees a bit of a bump. I mean, there's civil rights issues going on. There's like yeah. the the, maybe, the urban landscape. Maybe is people. Changing a lot. Yes, it was. Maybe people were just like, okay, here's a place we can kind of get away from. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean that that That's probably true. played into it as there well. There was the Great Migration. And plus, you're not that far from at the time was still relatively speaking a metropolitan area yes it's a suburb yeah essentially so oklahoma city has always been kind of a yeah you're like you're living in the best part of the state the most the most amenities right exactly yes Mm -hmm. that's true not necessarily the best but if that's what you want or lots of things to choose from Mm -hmm. live in or near a city never been to oklahoma i have not yeah be interesting. Well, we we both want to get to all fifty states. One we do. Day, so. <laughs> I would love to go to Norman to watch the uh, University of Oklahoma game. Okay. But I I don't know I I can't party like I used to. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we do our our I forty trip, like we've talked well, about, we'll, we'll definitely stop there for yeah, sure. That'd be very cool. The term Tornado Alley generally refers to the Great Plains area of the United States and parts of the southeastern United States, although the exact geographic area will differ according Mm -hmm. to who is making the definition. Having said that, the definition of Tornado Alley never 
never ever <laughs> omits the states of Kansas, Nebraska, Texas, and especially Oklahoma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's like a... And there will be some carryover here and there oh, into course, other states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Missouri. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that uh, Kansas has a long-standing association with tornado- tornadoes literally because of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> That's true. That's But right. <laughs> in, in application, it's true. You hear a lot more about Oklahoma. It's always in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. It, like, mm-hmm. seemingly... Yeah. Yes, it, it does seem like that. Central Oklahoma is hit on average and by... And Texas, too. Yes, by more tornadoes annually than any other place on Earth. Yeah, that's that's why. Because oh. whenever you hear of, like, a tornado, it's like, in Oklahoma today, <laughs> again. Man. Like, there's just no fucking way. Like, no thanks. To put this in, into numerical perspective, the United States sees an average of 1,200 tornadoes per year. Canada has the second most average annual tornadoes in the world with a yearly average of... Any guesses? I'm going to go less than half. I'm going to go with 400. 100. Damn it. So the U.S. Sansonated it again. (laughs) The U.S. is huge, but so is Canada. Land land mass. Uh Canada is the second largest country on Earth. But the area that would be prone to tornadoes is much smaller. Yes. And it's just this one specific... This central location. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Which is so yeah, fucking weird. That's kind of weird. Like, other places on Earth... Listen to this. All other countries on Earth combined have an average of 100 to 200 tornadoes That's annually. That's fucking nuts. So they must be looking at us like, why the... Why yeah, did why you, would you live Why there? would you build houses there? Like, what the fuck is wrong right? with you? <laughs> the reason for the amount of the tornadoes in the two northernmost countries in North America has a lot to do with two geographic anomalies. The first is that, unlike any other continent... The two mountain ranges in North America are oriented basically north to south. Yes, That's they a are. Good point. Yep. So it's like a natural wind tunnel. The Appalachians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 and the Rockies. Yeah, and right in the middle. Yep. Yeah. Oh, geez, I never thought of that. Yeah, and, geez. Oh, geez. The, the Minnesota came out. <laughs> it yeah, did, it did a little bit. <laughs> um, with a large, roughly flat area in between. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesse's in here. Oh yes. Oh. <laughs> Where well, were you? Probably under the bed or something. He probably was. Maybe the bed. Now he wants to get out, but yeah, that's, that's not happening. <laughs> it helps absolutely nothing in terms of producing tornadoes that the higher of the two mountain ranges is in the western part because to get over the Rocky Mountains, moisture-laden air coming off the Pacific Ocean has to drop basically all of its moisture as it is forced up and over the very tall Rocky Mountains. This results in some super dry, cold air spilling down the western side of the Rockies and into the Great Plains. Over the Great Plains, this super dry, cold air will meet up with air which has come from the other geographic anomaly, which exists in North America, the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, sure. I didn't even think of that. The Gulf of Mexico Mexico is a fairly deep body of salt water that because of how far south, because of how far south the entire body of water is, it never truly gets cold. Uh, when the very warm and moisture-drenched air from over the Gulf of Mexico gets sucked into the Great Plains by the shifting wind patterns created by areas of high and low pressure being carried from west to east by the jet stream, an air current of howlingly strong 275 mile per hour, or 442 kilometers per hour, winds between 4 to 8 miles above the surface... It encounters the cold, dry air from the Rockies, and this leads to the formation of severe thunderstorms and tornadoes. It's like a 
just a, a just weird a, place on Earth. It's a perfect storm. It is, a little bit. But uh, unlike the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, they all die. Yes, they do. <laughs> As we found out. That- the actual event is, at this point, 30-some years old, and the movie is... Like twenty some years old, so. Well, I remember when someone wrote to us to complain that we give the the body count at the beginning, like spoiler alert. And it's like these are historic events. Yeah, it's like <laughs> and most of them. Most of them are old. Yes. Like we like I've, but that's I think we kind of agreed upon even before we started this. Yeah, that, that was your idea. That was the story like we wanted to tell us. Mm-hmm. All right, up front, here's what happened. How did this happen? Mm-hmm. Which to me has always been a much more interesting. Not every time, right? Mm-hmm. But in certain certain circumstances, I like okay. Here's here's what happened. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna fill you in on all the backstory. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know. Oh, also heads up, everybody! If you hear anything weird with the audio, we're trying it's, really hard. Our, our, computer our computer's limping along our a little bit here. Dying. <laughs> yeah, a this little is, bit. <laughs> this is probably the last time we'll record on this. computer. It might have to be. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I don't think, I, I definitely had heard, I know what the jet stream is. I don't think I knew how fast, I mean, it makes sense, but how fast it it's came, really traveling. It came up in the uh, the Dust Bowl episode. This oh, is okay. also part of what caused the Dust Bowl. Oh, Jesse. When, um, when that area got so farmed out and became really dry, mm-hmm. all those particles got picked up. Like, instead of a moisture, it was literally just sand and dust that got picked up. Oh, and okay. Carried. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jesse was sitting on the papers and eating them. Right? Yes. Right? Jesse, turn around. Say hello. Be polite. <laughs> the look. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, yes, okay. Tornadoes most often strike the southern Great Plains states between late March and early June, with May being the most active month. Mm-hmm. I would get more into the exact mechanisms of tornado genesis. Okay. It's one word, the term for the formation of a tornado. Is that like Terminator Genesis? I know. It's a pretty badass name. Unfortunately, tornado that, Genesis. Unfortunately, that movie sucked. But uh, Was yeah. there really one called y- yes, Terminator Genesis? Yes, there was. I didn't know that. But this, the, these things, I'm, just Tornado Genesis sounds really scary. It does. It, sounds, it does not sound good. That sounds larger than an F5. Yes, uh, but a lot of the science is still being debated on what causes it. Also, there is a lot of meteorology involved, which means there's a lot of calculus and physics involved. And I've never taken a class in either calculus what? or physics. Neither so I'm going I. to leave that topic be. Oh, I had the last math class I took outside of like accounting stuff um, was geometry. That's the last thing I took. Too. And I gave myself my own grade. I just didn't try. And I just <laughs> gave myself a C for effort because I didn't put much effort into it. Because I was homeschooled and made up my own grades. Yeah, it's New- like uh, whose line is it anyway? Where the grades don't matter. <laughs> in New York State, when I was growing up, I don't know if it's still this way, but you only had to have two years of math and two years of science. So once, oh wow, once I got through with both of those, which I enjoyed both of those, but I just I, I was not good at it. So, but yes, yeah, I, I was like, okay, my two years are up. I'm done. And now I'm taking more electives. <laughs> you know what's uh, really interesting? Um, I think a big part of what you know, some people, a lot of people say that, right? Like, <laughs> he's on the pillow. A lot of people say, like, um, oh, I'm not good at math or I'm not good at science. Um, my sister was one of those people when she was younger. And now she's in computer science, right? So she's taking hardcore math. She is she is taking physics and calculus and all this stuff. 
And she's like, she lo- she loves it. She enjoys it. She said, it's just that. She was like, I always thought I wasn't good at this because I wasn't fast at it. She's like, I can do all of this. It just takes me some time. And so it, it's, it's, I bet there are a lot of people who are discouraged from things that they might really enjoy, but they're not what is the speed that's expected, you know? Are yeah, they, sure. It, it's, so that's kind of sad. Anyway, <laughs> we'll debate the foibles of the U.S. education system later. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of foibles. <laughs> um, so, however, there are some relevant statistics and information to know about the topic of tornadoes that will help the understanding of this disaster. Until the early 2000s, the strength of tornadoes were rated, and we've talked about this, were rated on a scale rating damage named the Fujita scale after the inventor of the scale, Dr. Ted Fujita, who is often called the father of tornado research mm-hmm. science. Yeah, we've brought him up once or twice. I think we did the, the one, yeah, I think you're right, at least once or twice. The Fujita scale is often known as the F scale for mm-hmm. short. It ranges the damage... Rates the damage produced from F1, the weakest tornado, to F5, the strongest tornadoes. After input from engineers and other experts, Dr. Greg Forbes, okay, it is Dr. Greg Forbes, not Dr. Greg and Forbes, <laughs> who had been the leading grad student who studied under Dr. Fujita, led the efforts to switch to the enhanced Fujita scale, or EF for short, so that's why it's now called EF which adjusted downwards the wind speeds for each category and created a new category for the weakest tornadoes, EF0. There's a lot explaining of there's a lot of explaining I could do about the differences between each level of the scale, but for today's disaster we really only need to know about the strongest category, the F5 or EF5. Hmm. Since 1959 there have been 59 F5 or wow. EF5 tornadoes, which are only slightly less strong than EF5. Oh, sorry. Oh, wait, I, I skipped a line. Sorry. Uh, 59 F5 or EF5 tornadoes, which have been documented, which is less than 1% of all tornadoes, which is good. Good. <laughs> That's it's, good. It's still bad for those bad 59, for 59 other times. And everyone in their path. Yes. EF4 tornadoes, which are only slightly less strong than EF5, account for only 2% of all tornadoes. Also, also good. Yep. Tornadoes will randomly strengthen and weaken over the course of their time on the ground, but they are identified by the strongest intensity which they reach. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So it's not like... In hurricanes, it's sustained winds, right? So it's not Sure. It's it's like an average. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here is... This is just like, no, what's its peak intensity? Mm -hmm. So... Which, that's probably a better measurement for a tornado. Well, because it's so... They're so short-lived. Short, yes. And so violent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think so. Even though the F scale lists the wind speed for an F5 as 261 to 318 miles per hour, or 419 to 512 kilometers per hour, uh, and the EF scale lists the EF5 wind speeds as simply, oh, that, that was the F scale. The EF scale lists the EF5 wind speeds as simply 201 miles per hour, or 322 kilometers per hour and up. The results are the same. Yeah, I don't think uh, somebody whose house is is flattened is going to dick around. They're, yeah, between, they're not going to debate. Oh, it was on, 20 uh, miles per hour less. Like, no, know? it was an EF5. Right. Oh, well, was it technically an EF5? Oh, did I tell you I was homeless? Yeah. Again. Yeah. <laughs> For like the third time in Jeez, five years. Jeez. Houses will be leveled and the debris removed from the site. Only the most re- yeah. There's nothing else yeah, you can do. No, I mean, not it's, only is your house gone, it's literally gone. It's like the gone, wood gone. of the house yeah. is somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Jeez. Uh, these are terrifying. These are really terrifying. You know, I thought uh, crowd crushes were maybe my worst fear. But I, think I don't it know. Still is. <laughs> but these, but yeah, especially if it was like one of these fucking things, like an F4 or an F5, like, no thanks. Oh. Uh, only the most reinforced buildings will survive. Vehicles will be thrown over a mile. The engine cars from yeah. trains have been tossed over a half a mile like it's nothing. by F5 or EF5 tornadoes. I myself have seen EF5 damage on two occasions. Two months after the 2011 Joplin, Missouri EF5 tornado. I do know about that one. We covered it. Yes. Did we? Yeah. That's not One really... of our listeners wrote this. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I forgot that we covered that. Yeah. What but do you I, know about it? it? Uh, that it was like very, brutal. oh yeah, and it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like there was almost no warning for that thing. I know it's hard to keep track of what we've done, <laughs> but we did the know. Joplin, Missouri okay. tornado. Tornado. That tornado. was a bad one. Tornado. <laughs> tornado. <laughs> tornado. Uh, and immediately after the 2013 Moore EF5 tornado, much like the famous U.S. Supreme Court definition of pornography, there's no mistaking it for anything else. No shit, right? It is something that one looks at and is in, and instantly knows. That's true, because, like, what else can do that? Only a tornado. Even yeah. a hurricane can't do damage no, like that. No, and in fact, when there is damage like that, it's from a tornado from the hurricane, mm-hmm. typically. Yep. Because t- hurricanes can spawn They'll tornadoes. mix and match. Mm-hmm. Also, a common misconception... How scary that is. I know. A common mis- misconception about tornadoes is that the strongest tornadoes are the widest and the most narrow are the weakest. The two widest tornadoes ever documented, which are the 2013 El Reno, Oklahoma tornado, and the 2004 Halam, Nebraska... Uh, Halam or Halam? Nebraska, were rated EF3 and EF4, respectively. The El Reno tornado was 2.66 miles, or 4.28 kilometers. Wide. Yep, wide. And Hallam was 2.5 or 4.02 kilometers wide, by the way. But they were only Christ. three, only, only threes and fours. <laughs> it, would, it just sucked up two and a half miles worth of earth in its path. Mm. But it was going slower. You know, so it wasn't as bad. <laughs> uh, these tornadoes are examples of what is known as a wedge tornado, which is a tornado which has a wide base, which is connected to an even wider parent circulation in the cloud above. A stovepipe tornado is, a, is slender, but it can pack just as powerful of winds as a wedge. That's interesting. I didn't know about a wedge tornado. Circling back to the town of Moore, Oklahoma. So remember how there have only been 59 F5 or EF5 tornadoes since 1959? Out of those 59 tornadoes, no place has been hit by more than one. Except for Moore. Jesus. Uh, Before the 2013 EF5 on May 20th, the last tornado measured with the original Fujita scale as an F5 hit more on May 3rd, 1999, and basically leveled the the northwest section of Moore. So just 14 years earlier. Uh Uh-huh. But also more or less smashed the northern third of Moore. This tornado was on the ground for a long time before it got to Moore and stayed on the ground a significant distance after it passed through Moore. Because I feel like the 1999 Moore tornado deserves its own episode, I'm going to leave it be mostly. Although it is worth noting that at two points in its track, that particular tornado pulsed up to the highest recorded ever wind speed. 
318 yeah. miles per hour. Fucking Christ. The highest wind speed ever recorded. That's So that's uh, like 511 kilometers per hour. Oh, my God. One of those two points was in Bridge Creek, which is about a 10-minute drive west of Moore, and the other point was in northwestern Moore. Not surprisingly, the two highest concentrations of fatalities corresponded exactly with where the winds became the strongest. Also, in between the 1999 F5 tornado and the 2013 EF5 tornado, Moore was hit by an F4 tornado in 2003, and then on May 10th, 2010. Moore was struck by an EF4 and two EF1 tornadoes. Yes, three tornadoes in the same day. Also remember, EF4 tornadoes are very rare. 2% of all tornadoes. Two years after the 2013 EF5 tornado, Moore was hit by an EF2 tornado. In all, from 1893 to present day, Moore, Oklahoma has been blasted by a stupefying 23 tornadoes, including two F5s or EF5s and two EF4s in the last 22 years. And the thing is, with climate change, it ain't getting no wetter. (laughs) That's my guess. On a listening tour done by the meteorologists of the Norman, Oklahoma Office of the National Weather Service, can you imagine how busy they are? Yeah. In, in communities in the Oklahoma City metro area in March and April of 2012, the consensus among the other communities was, when asked, was that Moore would be where the next major tornado struck. That was the year before. Moore was the last stop on the tour, and the meteorologists were expecting the residents of Moore to feel uh, like another community where... Uh, wait, sorry. We're expecting the residents of Moore to feel like another community would be where their next major tornado in the OKC metro area would take place. In other words, oh, not here, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when asked, the residents of Moore who attended the meeting said, it's probably going to be us. (laughs) It really takes a special kind of person to live in Moore. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Although to, uh, yes, I mean, yes, but also, I mean... Not everybody has easy mobility, so you know it could be a, a multitude of reasons. But there are there is also a lot of like there's some really strange places or dangerous places that have a lot of local pride. Sure, so, you know that could be part of it. This too. is definitely one of them. Yeah, yeah. Cute Rachel and David banter about the unluckiness of Moore, Oklahoma, <laughs> and the sense of fatalism <laughs> among the residents. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. So with most of the disasters described on this podcast, the description comes from secondary sources rather than primary sources who were there. Yeah, that's right. If you will indulge me, gentle listeners, much as you indulge the much-beloved Lee's first-hand account of researching the bizarre de la Charité fire from his hospital bed in episodes 187 to 188. Nice. On it. I would not have been able to pick those out. I will share my personal story of what it was like to be there as this unfolded. This is a great perspective. Mm-hmm. This is so fascinating. So to explain how I ended up at this event, <clears throat> here's some of the relevant backstory which led me to Moore, Oklahoma on May 20th, 2013. As a kid, I was absolutely terrified of thunderstorms, much less tornadoes, to the point of having a phobic reaction to them. As a young teenager, I had to work with a therapist to overcome the phobia because it was becoming debilitating. That would be rough. Mm -hmm. Through exposure and desensitization, a process which proved hugely successful, my therapist was able to help me overcome the fear. 
While in community college in 1994, I got an internship with the local broadcast meteorologist and he trained me to spot severe weather, which I followed up by taking National Weather Service classes in storm spotting, eventually passing the test to be certified as an advanced storm spotter. That's awesome. That's very cool. From 1995 to 2007, I chased storms around my home area. (laughs) So not only did Al overcome his phobia, he turned it completely around yeah my god i chased storms around my home area of west kentucky and the neighboring areas of west tennessee southeast missouri northeast arkansas southern illinois and southern indiana during those chases i saw if uh were you ever in mount vernon near evansville uh al probably i bet because i i lived in that a little bit when there when i was a kid for a little bit in southern indiana um during those chases, I saw six weak, brief EF0 tornadoes. Uh, in 2007, I began to chase in the Great Plains more, often heading out there two or three times per severe weather season. I saw a large wedge tornado outside of mm, Lemon or Lyman or Limon. <laughs> anyway, one of those, Colorado. All of the above. <laughs> in 2010, but it stayed over a field and dissipated without striking anything, so there was only an EF0 rating for it. The previous fall, I had chased a hurricane for the first time during Hurricane Sandy. Mm. Crossing the we, Chesapeake... We all remember that one. Oh, yeah. Crossing the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel in tropical storm conditions. I was one of the last people to cross it before it was closed. And riding Sandy out in a hotel in Asbury Park, New Jersey... Wow. Of course, starting to chase storms in the Great Plains brought me to Moore a number of times before 2013, and I had a pretty good familiarity with the layout and landmarks of Moore by 2013. I'm just curious, like in Asbury Park, New Jersey, are they always playing Bruce Springsteen on the, on the loudspeakers? <laughs> just wherever you are. It's I just, think it's, it's a law. Just, it's it's an ordinance. It's it a is. town ordinance. Yeah. <laughs> and the severity, how high they turn up the volume depends on whether a hurricane or not is coming through. <laughs> It's their warning system. Yes. <laughs> Instead of the sirens, they yeah. just turn up Bruce. Turn up Bruce Springsteen, yes. <laughs> I feel like if you are going to be storm chasing in Oklahoma and you have not ended up in more at least a few times, I'm really not sure exactly what you are trying to do. <laughs> so in the weeks leading up to May 20th, 2013, I had started to look uh, for a place to start over because up until then, I had either lived in small towns in West Kentucky... Author's note, as an alumni of Murray State University, I never use the term Western Kentucky to describe where I live because Western Kentucky University is the arch rival of Murray State. Murray State usually makes makes, uh, the basketball. NCAA. Yes, the NCAA Mm -hmm. tournament. All the March Madness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, go racers then. Besides, can anyone look at WKU's mascot and say exactly what that thing is? Oh, <laughs> really? We'll have know. to look it up. Don't know what it, is. it must be like Western a stormy <laughs> for the hurricanes, the man bear pig. <laughs> I challenge anyone to Google image search Big Red Western Kentucky University and try to put that thing into one of kingdom classifications from biology of plant, animal, mineral, etc. But I digress. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to do it. I think we have to. I think we're, we're legally obligated at this yeah. point. I wonder if he's talking about... No, the red football field is in, like, eastern Washington. Something like that. Okay, what are we... Western Kentucky? Big Red Western Kentucky University. Oh. Good old WKU. Oh, wow. Al is not wrong. Let me see this thing. It's a Muppet. (laughs) Oh, I have seen that thing before. Yes. Yeah. It's not a thing. 
thing. It's a like it's not a, it's not anything. It's, it's a fake. it's a it's a UAP. It's an unidentified aerial phenomenon. <laughs> is it maybe a frog? I've seen that thing before. I don't know. I guess it is it's, just big red. <laughs> it is big and it it's, is red. <laughs> it's what a frog would be if it was a muppet. It looks very muppet. <laughs> it looks very muppet, but not well done. Not a very well done muppet. Yeah, I mean, I mean I don't it's kind of like a person in the costume. No, it's kind of like a well, the the person in the costume didn't create the costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it the closest thing I could say to it would be um, the Philadelphia Flyers mascot, Gritty. Oh, that's right. That thing is also <laughs> really creepy or on the purpose. Heat mascot, Bernie. They, yeah, like, they just make these weird <laughs> creatures. Like they're kind just, of scary. They are. They kind of stand. They stand out though. They do stand out, but not in a good way. Although Gritty has a big fandom. He does. He does. He has a weird belly button, too. At least this guy doesn't appear to have a belly button. I've, I've really never t- taken notice of a mascot's belly button before. You've never seen Gritty's belly button? I guess not. We'll look it up later. We'll have to check that out. <laughs> uh, all right, so he's saying... I'm glad we looked that up, because I was on the same... I know! I don't generally like doing that, I but know. I was like... We have to at this point. Yeah, I'm like, I want to <laughs> see what this thing is, and I was like, okay, I, I'd seen that before. That's hilariously awful. Yes. Yes. Almost on purpose. Yeah, maybe. It's like, we have to get recognized somehow. I've got it. Let's come up with the weirdest, ugliest... Mascot. Mascot that isn't a being thing or whatever, and we just call it Big Red. It's just Big Red. Well, it is big and it is red. So they (laughs) they did that. They did that. So Al had either lived in small towns in West West Kentucky, not Mm -hmm. Western Kentucky, or in Nashville. Ah, Love Nashville. You love Nashville. I was living in Nashville, that's Nashville, Tennessee, of course. I was living in Nashville at the time. My lease was running out, and financially and life situation-wise, life situation the time was right to move out of the area. Something to put a pin in during a piss... Sorry, <laughs> I totally lost that sentence. Something to put a pin in. During a pickup basketball game late in, in late March, I had met a young lady named Dawn. Dawn worked for a sports shoe company, and as we drank water after the game, she shared that she was getting ready to go to Boston for the Boston Marathon in 2013 to hang out gift to hand out gift bags for her company near the finish line. Oh shit! The Boston area was first up on my list of places to look for apartments, and so we talked about the area and several other topics for a pretty good while. Well, just three weeks later, I was frantically touching base with the mutual friends that Dawn had come to the pick-up pa- pick basketball game with to make sure she was okay from the terrorist attack. I was attack. just going to yep. say, that was the same year as the... Uh, on the Boston Marathon, yeah. the bomber. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, she was physically okay. Then in early May, I drove to Boston, saw the apartment prices got sticker shock. Yeah, fair. And very fair. And crossed Boston off my list of potential places to move to. Great city. Awful cost of living. Sure, awful, awful cost of living. I, I was I was there for for one semester for that reason. Also, while I was there, I went to a game at Fenway. Oh, nice. how fun! While I was there, I missed a step in the grandstand, and instantly I realized that I had torn the meniscus in my right knee. Oh, that sucks. I knew this because I had torn the meniscus in my right knee while playing tennis in 2006, a match I still won, 5-7-7-6-6-4. That he still remembers the score. Despite my right leg not being able to bend after early in the second set, given how destroyed my right knee currently is, I am pointing out my winning the match as a sarcastic joke at myself, given what a... Oh, this is a word I don't know. Paric victory? I don't know that word. Al 
is too smart for me. Yeah, I don't. I don't P y r r h i c. Oh man, I feel very silly that I don't know what that is. Anyway, I don't either. The victory that it was. <laughs> Knowing the recovery time for a torn meniscus and that my lease expired on June fifteenth, I realized I just would have to tough it out on my newly retorn meniscus until after I moved. <laughs> oh wow. So I got back to Nashville, and the next place I was going to look for an apartment was Norman, Oklahoma. I'm old school and would rather go to a place in person instead of online. That is fair. That's that's a scary experience, like, yeah, just you, looking at a place online. Sure. I did that for Portland. and uh, Yeah. That was all just not a good idea. I heard that the following weekend there would be a high chance of severe weather in the Oklahoma City area, but especially the following Monday, the risk would be substantial. So the Thursday night before I left, the next day turned out to be quite colorful. One of the people, I feel, Al, Al seems like one of those people who has a thousand stories. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> oh, did I ever tell you about my friend Don who almost got killed in the Boston? Right. You know? Man, like, some people live a thousand lives sort of a thing. It kind of reminds me of that. Uh... One of the people in the group of friends I hung out with was performing in a new artist showcase for one of the local radio stations, and we went to support her. After the showcase ended, I found myself talking with a guy by the bar that I had not previously met. He mentioned being in a band and something about the state line between Florida and Georgia. <laughs> I think so I know he where was this in, going. Yes, I started line. telling him this story about a friend I knew who had been dating this girl for three years. The girl was doing a Disney internship in Orlando, so my friend drove there on fall break and spent the week with her. On his last night there, he took her to Medieval Times to propose to her, only to have her say, we're not ready yet. Well, good for her, frankly. Mm. On his way back to Kentucky, he had a lot of travel difficulties and was just getting to the Florida-Georgia line at about dusk. In great frustration, he sailed the engagement ring out of his car window at approximately the state line. The guy I was telling this story to seemed to be highly amused, or or the guy I was telling the story seemed to be highly amused by my story and by me in general. We had a very pleasant conversation, and then he excused himself and left. As I turned around, the bartender caught me by the forearm. He said, do you have any idea who you were just talking to? I didn't have a clue. Turns out it was the tall guy from the band, Florida Georgia Line. I don't normally listen to country music, and at that point in time, I had never heard of them. Then we went for ice cream where Dawn met us. It was the first time I had seen her since the marathon, and she thanked me for being concerned about her. We didn't really talk about the bombing, though, but she asked if I had found a place in Boston. I said no, but told her I was leaving the next day for the Oklahoma City Norman area, where I was hoping to both look for apartments and go storm chasing. So I left on Friday afternoon, hoping to stop for the night in Columbia, Missouri. I got to Columbia at about midnight, only to find that all the hotel rooms were booked because of the University of Missouri graduation. Annoyed, I continued west and found a similar lack of hotel rooms in Kansas City due to a large softball tournament and a professional drag race event. Hotel rooms were booked up in Lawrence because of Kansas University's graduation, Manhattan because of Kansas State's graduation, and Topeka because of both KU and K-State graduations. That's what it's like around here, around Mother's Day for Mm -hmm. NC State, right? Uh, Finally, around 8 in the morning, I checked into a hotel in Salina, Kansas, and got to bed. Uh, The throwing off of my sleep schedule is going to be coming coming back up later in the storm, by the way. That afternoon, I woke up and drove to Hayes, Kansas, where I chased a storm and saw a small tornado that stayed just outside of the city limits of Hayes. 
As I drove back to Selena, I found myself in one of the most intense and vivid lightning storms I have ever experienced. Exhilarated by the experience, I didn't get, a, get to sleep until the wee hours of the morning and checked out late using my hotel's reward clock. As I drove south to Oklahoma City, just north of Wichita, I encountered a storm with golf ball-sized hail. Jesus. Uh, that delayed my progress and dented my car in a few places. Y- your um, your previous car, mm-hmm. you had just gotten it, didn't you, when a we had that earlier. hail? Oh, like, literally a week earlier. I remember you were so bummed about that. I was, yeah, not happy. Yeah. Because our parking lot obviously doesn't have a roof. No, it's just And there was, there was even no place to take it. There's no, no there's not no a roof. Covered. There's not a roof around here. Not really. No. No, well, we don't just, have a garage. And I or was anything. just like, will it stop? And it literally lasted for, I would say, like it wasn't a little long. over a little oh, over five little? minutes. I mean, it was oh. long enough. Yeah, long enough to dent mm-hmm. <laughs> your brand new car. As I neared Oklahoma City, coverage of the EF4 tornado, which had just struck Shawnee, Oklahoma, uh, that evening, I seriously thought I had just missed an opportunity to see a tornado in Oklahoma. <laughs> But yeah, by the time I reached the southern side of Oklahoma City, the weather and the traffic both became very quiet. And I turned off the radio, rolled down my window, and just felt the quiet stillness as I drove on I-35 past the Warren Theater and more. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought, is this the calm before the storm or or are the storms finished? And to some degree, I wondered if anything I was looking at would still be there by the same time tomorrow night. Also, I was struck by how humid it was. You've talked about this, so you can mm-hmm. feel the rain in the air, right? Mm-hmm. It felt like the air that you can wear weather in the southeastern United States, or the, that the southeastern United States is infamous for, except on steroids. I reached my hotel on the north side of Norman, just barely across the line from the south side of Moore. I tossed and turned for a few hours in the sickeningly sultry air and finally went to sleep. As National Weather Service Warning Coordinator Meteorologist Rick Smith arrived in his cubicle in South Norman on the morning of May 20th, 2013, at around 8 a.m., he noticed a tension among the staff, and especially his boss, David Andra. He felt the uneasiness he had about the day deepen considerably. Every city employee of Moore was on some kind of alert. About an hour previously, the most famous face of storm chasing, Reed Timmer, arrived at KFOR-TV to be interviewed by KFOR's morning meteorologist, Emily Sutton, about the likelihood of severe weather that afternoon. At Timmer's house and more, he, his guest, Jim Cantori, oh, yeah, I know who that, that is, that yeah, is. of the Weather Channel mm-hmm. fame, was slurping a cup of coffee as Timmer's crew of chase, chasers checked their gear and prepared to roll out. Good morning, American... Um, bleh, now I'm re- reaching that point. Good morning, America meteorologist Ginger Z knocked on the door and entered. She would also be part of the assembled crew to ride in Timmer's collection of armored vehicles that day. KWTV's Gary England, the legend of Oklahoma City television meteorologist, and man, if you're going to be a meteorologist like South Florida, um, Midwest, Midwest, like in Tornado Alley, uh, California, probably because of like earthquakes, earthquakes yeah. But you can't that. predict those through meteorology. No, you can't. No, you just have to react, kind of. <laughs> but for, them, like, right? wildfires and shit like that. Yes, like that's wanna... true. That's true. Uh, anyway, Gary England was studying the latest model runs and at his home. His two rivals, Mike Morgan of KFOR and Damon Lane of KOCO, were doing likewise. It's probably Coco. 
Because it's cute. Coco. Mm-hmm. 105, Coco. <laughs> Professors and grad students at the University of Oklahoma School of Meteorology. Again, if you're going to be a meteorologist, probably a place to go. Uh, considered to be the Ivy League of meteorological schools, were in early pour were in early pouring over the data points from the weather balloon launched by the National Weather Service's Norman office that morning. What all of this weather brain trust, which had assembled Saul, assembled Saul, was alarming. No one knew exactly when or where, but this day's weather had all the fuel to explode in the most violent way possible, and potential triggers were abundant. Across the south side of the Oklahoma City metro area and the communities to the south, sunshine streamed in. Temperatures rose, and so did the humidity, giving the air a queasy, sticky feel. Ominously, strong winds were also blowing. Even before anything happened, it was not a pleasant weather day. Slightly after 11 a.m., I woke up and showered. I turned on the TV and caught the middle and last part of Sutton's interview with Timmer, which was being replayed on the KFOR Midday News. I was upset with myself that I had already lost a significant chunk of the portion of my day I had wanted to use to talk to landlords. I drove to Southwest Norman, and after waiting about 20 minutes for the manager to return from her lunch break, our meeting began at about 1.45 p.m. and lasted until about 2.20 p.m. Had I waited for a few more minutes at my hotel room, I would have seen KFOR's Mike Morgan begin wall-to-wall coverage at 1 p.m. on my hotel room television. The anxiety among the weather community about potential for tornadoes was so high that all three of the major network affiliates in Oklahoma City began wall-to-wall weather coverage at 1 p.m. that day, scanning the skies with helicopters and Doppler radars for the first sign of trouble. So this was a highly hmm. anticipated this is, an, this is an all-hands-on-deck like. situation. While I was in that meeting with the landlord and Norman, Amy Simpson, the principal of Plaza Towers Elementary School in Moore, received a concerning email from Central Office of Moore Public Schools. Yes, yeah, this is the middle of the day. In the middle of school day. It read, Keep calm, watch for valid information, and pray. Oh, my God. It is May in Oklahoma. We can do this. <laughs> Jesus. Again. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, again for like the twenty second time. For for since the beginning of time. Yes. <laughs> mm. When I left this meeting with the landlord, as I walked to my car, there was bright sunshine in Norman. But also hey, and that's not good. That was not, not good. good. But also both the very uncomfortable high humidity and strong winds had actually increased. For as beautiful as the sunshine looked, the humidity and wind made it really feel nasty to be outside, and it felt even worse now, now than it had when I had first walked out of my hotel a couple of hours earlier. Expecting the weather to turn for the worse at any minute, I put my car radio on scan as I drove across Norman, not 100% sure of where, where I should go next. Every 10 seconds, a new radio station came on. When I was pressing the stadium where the, where passing the stadium where the very successful American football team for the University of Oklahoma, as you mentioned, played their, plays their games, suddenly every radio station began the obnoxious tone for the emergency broadcast system. Uh, this was not a test. And while traffic prevented me from being able to stop my scanning car radio, it didn't matter because every station was playing the same thing suddenly. When I finally stopped the radio from scanning, the station I was listening to had picked up the audio from the coverage by Mike Morgan of KFOR-TV. Quote, if you are in Newcastle, your time is up. 
You need to be in your tornado safe place, unquote, Morgan said. I pulled over as I thought to myself, where in the hell is Newcastle, Oklahoma? I punched it into my G- the GPS system of my car. I looked at the results in disbelief. Newcastle was seven miles, or about 11 kilometers away to my west-northwest, so it's a little uncomfortably close. I drove quickly to Newcastle. Oh, well, okay, yes. I was saying, un- <laughs> and then he's like, I immediately drove to Newcastle. That's right, he's chasing the storm. I mm-hmm. forgot about that. I drove quickly to, I would have driven was in hoping, the opposite direction. He was hoping it was close. Yes. Yeah. Any sane person would have been like, oh, I'm going the other way. Well, anyone who was not trained in this. Yeah. Let's also remember I was trained again, in this. So, yeah. Again, a sane person. Like, Al, this, we are this not is like the, uh, insane. I am. Like, the, this is like the, uh, like, these type of meteorologists, like storm chasers, they're like goalies in the NHL. Like, you have to, you have to be off a little bit. Like, you can't be... But it's important work, too. Damn right it is, but that's what I'm saying. Like, but it doesn't take... Like, you can't have, like, a... You can't be right of mind to do this, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. And what I'm trying you to have tell to be Al, a li- You have to be a little off. What I'm trying to tell I'm Al not saying it's a bad thing. You, no, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's how it is. <laughs> I drove quickly to Newcastle. Noticing that I was driving past an increasing number of vehicles pulled over. There were people standing outside these vehicles with various long camera lenses and scientific instruments. As I crested a small rolling hill immediately to the southeast of Newcastle, I looked at the western sky and it was now the color of a dark, ugly bruise. Yeah. I was still a little too... You know what? It's really just like... It's scary to just see the sky suddenly turn dark. It's ominous looking. Yes, incredibly ominous looking. You're just like, uh. And imagine that thing spitting out an F5 hurricane. Or tornado. Or hurricane, tornado, sorry. It would be pretty if a hurricane suddenly formed in Oklahoma, but yeah. Hey, maybe one day. (laughs) You know what? With climate change, fuck no. Anything's possible. Mm. (laughs) I was still a little too far. To make out individual clouds, but I definitely noticed that the sky was what I would describe as a blackish dark purple color. I had seen some similar sky colors before, but this was several more shades further down the trail of blackish dark purple than what I had ever seen before. I turned off Oklahoma State Road 9 onto U.S. Highway 62-277, which also doubles as Main Street in Newcastle, and proceeded cautiously north, looking for a car wash, bank with a drive-thru, or a gas station with a canopy I could pull under to protect my car from hail, and to get out of my car to watch the storm. I found a Phillips 66 gas station on the corner of 12th Northeast and Main Street. The last thing I heard Mike Morgan say on the radio before I got out of my car was, quote, if this thing is not on the ground yet, it's going to be very soon, end quote. As I walked to the sidewalk at the edge of the gas station property, I looked at the clouds to my west and everything I had learned in my classes from the National Weather Service to look was not just there, but it was all clearly visible in sharp relief. If this storm had been a human athlete, it would have had the eight-pack abs and easy-on-the-eyes muscular musculature. I almost couldn't believe my eyes. After a little under two decades of chasing storms... This storm was a terrifying beast I had never seen anything like. The motion of the rotating wall cloud, which is the first stage of, de- of a developing tornado. Fucking no thanks. Uh-uh. Was fuck, spinning so... Fuck all of this. <laughs> was, it's almost uncomfortable to listen to, isn't it? Was spinning so rapidly I could easily pick out how amazingly fast it was turning. 
and I had definitely seen a rotating wall cloud with sharply defined edges before. This rotating wall cloud had the appearance of having been cut to form and crafted with laser and a 3D printer, which is definitely not the normal appearance. As I continued to watch, a slender funnel formed under the rotating wall cloud and began to move towards the ground, almost like the kickstand of a motorcycle come down on the biggest scale imaginable. It made contact with the ground, and I eagerly snapped a pic of this beautiful stove-type tornado on my phone, a picture which today is still the lock screen image on my phone. We'll have to look at some of the pictures um, uh, I'll send us, dude. Uh, I asked a guy standing nearby to take a picture of me with the tornado behind me, but the results were somewhat compromised by a telephone pole that was perfectly in line with oh, the tornado. God, of course. I also have to admit that turning my back to the tornado felt weirdly absolutely terrifying, and as soon as I knew he had taken the picture, I quickly turned back to face the tornado and didn't take my eyes off of it until it moved out of my line of vision because it made me feel uncomfortable in such a weird way. That's true. It's like, if you're going to be watching it, watch it. <laughs> All the time. Mm-hmm. Because any... The smallest, biggest craziest thing could happen in in a slight in a split second this is not moving on some predictable path no No, not at all and it's fucking it's going to be gigantic it is yes it isn't yet Mm -hmm. and it can move like that yeah yeah and reposition like that Mm -hmm. as i watched it i noticed a crucial detail i could pick up a motion in the movement of the tornado uh, from my left to my right as I watched it. In class, we were told that a tornado, which appeared to be sitting still, was either moving directly toward us or directly away from us. I wouldn't and have even thought that, but that's being, horrifying. not being able to tell completely. Yes, it's like, is it coming towards Is it going, me or away, going away or is it... Fuck, Since no. I was looking to the northwest, this meant the motion of the tornado was east-northeast. The tornado had been so slender when I began to watch it that I really hoped that it would lift now, which, looking back, I think was part of my disbelief is what, at what I was seeing. This tornado began to grow wider and wider as it moved. I recorded three short videos on my waterproof camera. Surprisingly, it had not been raining in Newcastle when I first stepped out of my car, but it soon began to rain with moderate intensity. Rewatching the videos now, the trunk of the tornado progressively thickens in each video. Oh, By the time that tornado was crossing the road to my north where I was standing on the sidewalk watching it, it had grown cl- to three quarters of a mile wide, or 1.2 kilometers at the base. At the base. One of the creepier aspects of being in that close of a proximity to a large tornado, I was just becoming aware of. A wind that was approximately 55 miles per hour, about 88 kilometers per hour, began to blow towards the tornado from behind me. That National Weather Service training for how to tell uh, what speed the wind is moving at by observing how natural objects behave in the wind really pays off. Which really rattled me because that's quite a forceful wind. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be standing outside in 55 miles. no. And this thing is going to get up to 200 Uh, miles. Plus, 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 yes. Yeah. I spoke with two guys standing nearby as we stood in the gas station parking lot. One of them remarked that more was gone again. Again. Yeah. In a remark that I felt like a jerk for later on, I responded, Man, more always gets hit. After I stopped the video, one of the two guys said something which which stuck with me. As we were standing there watching the tornado, the guy said, Well, this is Oklahoma. This is May. This is what we do. (laughs) 
I, of course, did not know I, it. I, I prefer Blizzard. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey. Like, those are they're uh, way easier. Nothing's... My house isn't flying away in a blizzard. I prefer none of the above. (laughs) (laughs) I, of course, didn't know it at the time, but the tornado did EF4 level damage as I watched it. I did not realize it because of not being as familiar with the area as I am now. I just imagine, like, just being some random dude walking out of the convenience, like, yep, like, here it is Uh, again. Well, it's May, you Uh, know. That one's just a little bigger (laughs) this year. Jeez. The fuck? Like... (laughs) Uh, like he's got like uh, like I just imagine like the way he's got like a Slurpee in his hand like a bag of jerky right. you know, and he's just like yep he's that. wearing a plaid short sleeve shirt button up shirt with suspenders <laughs> no no I'm I'm thinking he's he's the more, more Oklahoma guy no he's yeah oh you I, feel I like he's, he's a little more modern yeah okay yeah he's not an old timer no okay he's just like yeah fuck it. <laughs> whatever he's like I'm gonna go get a handle of liquor after this you want in <laughs> yeah right. But as I watched it, the tornado crossed Interstate 44 at the bridge over the Canadian River. As it did, it hit an an, uh, out-of-use railroad bridge. The railroad bridge had steel I-beams surrounding the track. (laughs) That's probably why it was out of use to begin with. (laughs) And the tornado bent the I-beams of that bridge at a 45-degree angle. Fucking imagine that. Jesus fucking Christ. No, 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 no. Made an L out of fucking steel beams. Yes. That are meant to hold railroad train after railroad train after for ages and ages. Yeah. Yes, and it was and just, did yes. until this came. And it was just like fuck this thing. What? Yeah, I'll I'll show you in your eye beams. Oh I-beams. my god! As it disappeared over the horizon, heading east northeast, the reality started to sink in. This tornado was a terrifying. How did nightmare. the reality not sit in before this? <laughs> well, <laughs> what the fuck? You know what? To be fair. Like, no, I know he's a professional, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm, uh, my Well, God. and also, you know, there is a natural thing that, like, you don't think something is as bad as it could be until it becomes as bad as it could be, and they're like, then you're like, oh, wait, and, this and so, really is Until, is. like, the oh, shit, like, portion There's of your fucking... There's the oh, fucking, shit moment, right? Like, uh-huh. uh, like this is fucking mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. This tornado was a terrifying nightmare come to fruition, and even though I felt relatively safe where I was... There was a lot of people in the path who were anything but safe. <laughs> you're watching an F4. Like, you see it in front of you. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm relatively safe. Like, what does that mean? Like, are you hanging onto a wall because the because the fucking wind is only 70 miles an hour? Like, what the fuck? Like, Let's not disparage out. No, no, no. I'm just like, I can't imagine. Like, I can't imagine I'm Kind going of having there. the chutzpah to be fuck in the no. vicinity. I know. Hell I know. no. Yeah. The closest I would want to be to this thing would be here watching it on TV. <laughs> TV. <laughs> and even that would be a little scary. And that would, well, yeah. actually very scary. Yeah. yeah. This tornado was a terrifying nightmare come to fruition. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of people in the path who were anything but safe. As I got back into my car, it felt like the bottom of my stomach had fallen through. At KFOR Studios a few miles north of me and the path of the tor- in the path of the tornado... Mike Morgan was already sickened by the reality of the situation. He said to the hundreds of thousands of people watching and listening to him a sentence that everybody who heard it felt viscerally. He might have said something else as I started my car, but the first thing I remember as I got into my car and began listening again to the audio for KFOR TV in my car was, quote, this is May 3rd all over again, end quote which was the date bar- burned into more Oklahoma history is the day the 1999 
F5, which had hit the northernmost third of Moore so incredibly hard. As I heard that, any excitement I had about seeing this tornado turned to horror. I did resolve, though, that if this was May 3rd all over again, the tornado had gone a long way after it left Moore. Even though I felt sick, I also felt like I could help track the tornado and warn people on the other side of Moore of its path. That was the job I was trained to do, and it was time to go to work. Fuck badass. It is very badass. That is very badass. Like, we're not going to save everybody, but we can help some people. Save some people. Yeah. Save whoever we can. By being in a very precarious situation. And putting your own ass on the line Mm -hmm. in the process. Exactly. Yeah, this fucking guy's got some balls that I've never even... (laughs) Jesus Christ. I decided that traffic was probably going to be all sorts of crazy and more, and I definitely didn't want to get in the way of emergency first responders. Good thinking. So I went back to Norman the way I had come. I was going to try to get out of the northeast side of Norman and catch up to the tornado as it went east out of Moore. After barely missing the Tri-City Walmart, the Newcastle Casino, and a number of fast food restaurants and gas stations to the north, the tornado began to move east across the far southwest part of Oklahoma City. After crossing Interstate 44 at the Canadian River, the tornado moved north-northeast until it reached 149th Street, where it turned due east and went basically straight down 149th. As the National Weather Service office in Norman, an outside observer could forgivably have expected a madhouse. It in fact looked weirdly calm, until one looked closer and saw a group of meteorologists who have been trained to stay calm, looking visibly shaken. That is when it's that's not when good. It's, that's when it's, yeah. When the pros <coughs> are scared, that's when it's bad. It's like seeing a stewardess like lose her shit. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, this is not good in, in any way. But yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, that's right. You don't want to see someone trained to be calm not get being, shaken Not up. being calm. That means it's not good. Yeah. Not good at all. They're like, even I wasn't trained for this. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> In very short order, the rarely issued highest form of tornado warning, which can be issued, a tornado emergency, came out for Southwest Oklahoma City and more. A tornado emergency can only be issued when a confirmed damaging tornado sure. is on the ground in a population mm-hmm. center. As the tornado crossed first May Avenue and then Pennsylvania Avenue, it was leaving the brick houses it encountered all but leveled, and the trees were ripped up from the ground, roots and all. Even to this day, when one drives through this portion of the tornado track, there's a weird patch where there are barely any trees and a fair amount of driveways that seemingly go to nowhere. Mm -hmm. Wow. If one pulls into one of these driveways, which seem to go to nowhere, and walks around, it's not difficult to find the disturbed ground, and in places one can even see the slab foundation where a house once stood. As the center of the tornado passed over the intersection of 149th and Pennsylvania Avenue, Val and Amy Castor, the husband and wife storm chasing team for Oklahoma weather broadcasting legend Gary England, that were his best friends, or oh, sorry, that were his best, not his best, <laughs> like making up this personal relationship, that were his best and most seasoned chasers, watched it from two miles to the south as Val talked to England live on the air. Val and Amy had provided valuable coverage of the 1999 F5 and countless other OKC area twisters. This particular tornado had Val panicked. Again, you don't want to hear Mm -hmm. that. Quote, Gary, Gary, there are entire buildings being lifted into the air. Entire buildings, Gary. End quote. Val stammered, his normally calm voice cracking. On air, Gary England visibly deflated. In a defeated tone, he quietly replied, 
I know. And what else do you say? Yeah. And there's Ugh. literally nothing you can do. What are you going to do? How do you stop a tornado? You don't. Well, you definitely don't do that. And where do you go? Yeah. Like, depending on where you are. You just fucking you ride it out and anywhere. hope it ends sooner than... In Fuck, more, yes. uh, the tornado sirens wailed and residents on the western side of Moore and even some in the center of Moore could see the tornado on the western horizon. The roar, something between an approaching train and a jet at takeoff, was also audible throughout southwest Oklahoma City and Moore. Some people said later that it even felt like the ground was vibrating. As the tornado moved closer to people's locations, they reported it looked less like a funnel and more like a black wall filled with flying debris. <sighs> For fuck's sake. Normally, Oklahoma tornadoes form later in the day, typically around like 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. This one was hitting during school hours, and many parents rushed in a panic to the schools to check their kids out of school and take them home. Other people rushed to the schools to take shelter, feeling that the building was safer than their homes. Adding to the chaos, well, our in Indiana, our shelter was the sure. school. Yep. Adding to the chaos. I hope so. It's supposed they're supposed to be built, built to code right. that way. Adding to the chaos on the streets of Moore ahead of the tornado, the parent thunderstorm was dropping torrential rain, non-tornado-related wind gusts to 80 miles per hour, about 128 kilometers per hour, baseball to softball-sized hail. For non-U.S. listeners, hail between about uh, 7 and 10 centimeters. Softball is about that big. Yeah. It's like... It's like fucking... If I opened my hand and clawed it, it would be about that size. And that's coming down all around you. And what survivors described as strobe light-like cloud-to-ground lightning. Jesus Christ. Then about 60 seconds of calm would happen. Happen which would be followed by the arrival of the tornado. We are halfway through this story. We're going to stop here for mm-hmm. this week. <laughs> the um, Al's next note says, this would be a good time for David and Rachel to lightly banter one last time <laughs> before this gets really, really, really dark. I don't want to because I already I already oh, see where it's going. We're going to take, we're, we get to take a week break. <laughs> we do. We're going to oh, take a, break a week, from this. a week meaning not strength, not non-strength. No, no, W E E K. Yes, the days, the days in a week. A seven-day break here. <laughs> oh my god! And and we haven't even got. We've just gotten to the build-up. Is, oh. it, is it just me? I, I know I'm not the only one. Like thinking of the movie Twister. When mm, I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like my only reference to like. I know for pop culture. Like a good, like a good science fiction movie. Special effects type yes. tornado. Well, that it's was really been the one. black wall of of mm-hmm. with debris. Mm-hmm. That's because wasn't Twister was the one where like the cow was in the yes, <laughs> you know. But I'm thinking that would have been like an F one, like in that movie. It was just like a little I'm small sure one. They mentioned something yeah. along that those lines. Anyway, and... I'm I'm sure this I'm sure Al is like stop mentioning the movie Twister. <laughs> like, will you shut up <laughs> about <laughs> Twister already? <laughs> No, this is uh, Al. This is like no, no thanks. This is fucking tense. Motherfucking no thanks. Oh my goodness, this is like this like, is like, like our when, first like when my like when my buddy James was talking about oh I might like uh he was he was gonna be a person that like parachuted into the middle of a forest oh fire. I was just like oh like the hot shots. Yes, oh I was just God. gonna be like please don't do that. Yeah, please no. <laughs> like, we love you like, and don't want you to die. Like, let somebody else do that. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't 
He just became a captain instead. And oh, that's still, all of a firefighter, yeah. yeah. And yeah, still yeah, goes and, and fights. <laughs> runs into burning buildings. And yeah. forest fires, mm-hmm. which is what he's doing right now, yeah. as a matter of fact. Yeah, he, a lot of people are doing that right now. What he will be doing for the rest of the summer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Al, uh, it's, no. <laughs> Al, I, no. <laughs> I can't imagine. Like, I can't. And I'm... I'm sure it's uh, it's maybe where he grew up, and that's just a part of his culture. And like this is this is well. What I really like is that Al got into storm chasing because of his childhood to overcome fear. a fear. Like, man, did that work? Yeah, <laughs> apparently, like that's that's really amazing, and uh, I'm. I am greatly enjoying that this is a first person account. I am too. This is and very, it's also and it's also making me very scared. I know. We obviously know we know Al's still alive because he wrote Al the script. Survived, yay, everybody! <laughs> but I'm not sure if I want to know. I'm sure Al mm. saw some shit even oh, before yeah. this, but I'm sure he definitely saw some shit on this day. Yeah. Um. And I yeah. Ooh. So we're gonna dig into the meat of this next week. Yes. <laughs> We'll leave it at our cliffhanger for now. So for the time being. Yes. Oh. This, oh, first of all, thank you, Al. Yes, this thank is, you very much. This, this is, is an awesome. excellent script. Happy birthday and very good script. Thank you so much. All of our listener scripts are excellent, but this is the first time we've had one a first person from a first-person yeah, perspective. that's really cool. We've had, like, interjections of personal knowledge, yes, which is have. great and very, very mm. grateful to have. I really like... The this is very unique, a unique spin on on our scripts, and now I'm like, oh my god, what's about to happen? And I'm also like, a storm chaser listens to us. I like, know, right? Why? <laughs> See more more uh, smart, brave, <laughs> just interesting people listen to us, which is is still very very fun to me. So this is the May twentieth, and I'm gonna interject or mm-hmm. May third all over again. Mm-hmm. 2013 more Oklahoma EF5 tornado. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.